Welcome to the Fabulously Keto podcast aimed at improving health, vitality and quality of life. Eating real food in a ketogenic lifestyle. I'm Jackie Fletcher and I'm based in the UK. And I'm Louise Reynolds, an Aussie currently based in Bangkok, Thailand. Each week we will be bringing you guests who share their stories and discuss a range of topics which we hope will improve your health and well-being. Many of the guests, like us, came to Keto for Weight Loss and have stayed for their well-being, numerous health benefits and because they are living their best lives. We hope you will be inspired to incorporate these ideas into your own health journey so that you can feel better than you ever have before. Thinking about starting keto? Take a listen to episode number two, What is Keto and How to Start? Welcome to episode 52 of the Fabulously Keto podcast. And today we have an Ask Me Anything or an Ask Us Anything episode. But what we decided to do was open it up to our Facebook group, Fabulously Keto Facebook group, and ask some of our members to come along and join us. So today will be a mixture of sharing stories, um, asking questions, and just a general chit chat amongst the well, at the moment there's five of us so we've got Louise with us we've got Alison we've got Nicola and we've got Sheila now Sheila you may remember from episode 38 with her va-va-boom <laughs> Jackie this is such a great episode because it's really great we're doing a different format this time rather than sort of fielding the questions from our Facebook group we actually have some of our you know, wonderful, fabulous um, keto keto friends and members of the Facebook group. So we've got um, Alison, who is in Glasgow. Uh, Sheila, where were you again? Your Vava booming in? In Buckinghamshire. In Buckinghamshire. And Nicola is in? Liverpool. In Liverpool. So that's really great. So who wants to go first with a question? I think Sheila was. She's always ready. Ready. She's Sheila's always got something to say. Okay. So the question I have is: I'm obviously a primal health coach, so I do focus on um, low carb, high fat, but not always going as far as keto. So although some of my clients will go the keto route, um, we don't measure, we don't count things. It's just you know reducing the carbs even further. So how do you? How do you count or how do you measure keto and your ketones and whether you're in it or not? Oh, I can answer that one. So I can talk, I sort of talk from my personal experience. So I know that I was obviously going into ketosis because from when I first went low-carb keto in December 2015. So initially I had those withdrawal symptoms. So obviously I was going through that carbohydrate withdrawal. And that was obviously feeling a little bit lightheaded, a little bit fuzzy, low in energy. And that's obviously the first stage is in the withdrawal phase. But how do I know that I was actually in ketosis? Well, there's a number of different ways. Initially, when I first started out, I measured my ketones or this particular ketone in my urine. So I sort of peed on the stick and watched it change colour. But that particular ketone only lasts for a little while. So that was obviously when then I bought a a meter, a blood glucose meter. 
So, and obviously buying in Australia, the strips are relatively okay, you know, for price. It's about $8 Australian, which is probably four, maybe four-ish pounds, four-ish pounds for um, for 10 strips. So I you know, was checking, checking my blood levels and anything according to the Vinnie Folek, um, you know, diagram, so the bell-shaped diagram, and anything above 0.3 to, you know, 1.5 to 3 was actually 3 millimoles was, was actually in sort of, you know, registering ketones, blood ketones. But it's not just about the... Um, just about the measures, those sort of metrics, those arbitrary measures. It's about how I feel. I know when I'm in ketosis that I actually don't, for me, for my chronic pain condition, I don't have those generalised aches and pains. I have the energy. I don't have the 3 p.m. slump and sleepies. I have that consistent energy levels across all the day. Uh, I psoriasis flares. Uh, particularly sort of, you know, itchy and annoying. So I know that when I have sufficient um, ketones, well, in this case, the inflammasones, you know, protecting me and my chronic pain condition and my other generalised inflammation disorders. So how do you know? The raw metric is obviously blood. The non-sort of metric is obviously about the other, other feelings. So, Jackie, what, what would you suggest? Well, I was going to add, because Sheila also asked, what do you need to do? So basically, you just need to lower your carbs. Um, and a lot of people do a lot of tracking and they'll measure out how many carbs, well, how many carbs you do you do sort of need to measure. But I, I don't measure them because I got a rough idea now. But even in the beginning, I didn't measure them. So I just cut them right down. Um, and, but some people have very strict fat and protein measurements that they will measure. Now, for me, that is not enjoying food. If I've got to measure everything and do everything all the time, every day, I hate it. I, I like data, but I hate tracking my food. So all I did was cut out, well, even for primal, you know, you're going to cut out the wheat and the grains. You're going to cut out the sh sugars. Um, you're going to go easy on the sweeteners. Um, you're cutting out the seed oils, ideally. So just by doing that, you're cutting your carbs down low enough. So then it's for me, it's just testing. Do am I in ketosis? And now I don't test very often, maybe once every couple of weeks and I do blood. I never bought those pea sticks. I just, when I was on my learning journey, I heard that the gold standard is blood testing. So I bought a blood meter and we can link to the ones that, um, have you got a keto mojo, Louise? Yes. Yeah, we do have the keto mojo. Yeah. yeah and I do. Keto show notes. And I have the Abbott, the Abbott one, but that's a, under a different brand in in America. But I also bought the breath, the breath, the um, the ketonics. So uh, Dr. Sarah Myhill, um, so she was in episode forty three, maybe I'm guessing. So she she recommended a cheap um, breath meter as well. So she was sort of saying that that was obviously a cheaper way of of measuring. Um, you, whether you're, you're sort of 
you know, producing ketones as well. I found the ketonics a little bit hard to to train, to use. You have to breathe. And I like the interface of the the raw data you get with with a blood, you know, that sort of thing. And I I did, I looked after we had that interview, Dr. Mahir, I did look into the breath meters, the cheaper ones that are about 40 pound. And people kept saying they they conk out, they don't work very well. I mean, Sarah Myhill did explain that um, you have to be careful how you use them, you know, not around coffee, not around alcohol and things like that. But even so, people were saying they just stopped working and I just figured, I'll just carry on testing my blood. Does that answer your question, Sheila? Yes, it does. Thank you. So with so you're suggesting that maybe the blood glucose readings or the blood readings are the best way to go. And how often would you One do thing that? Is, it's blood ketones, not blood glucose, although I test both. Uh, usually when I'm testing, I'll test both at the same time. Um, I will test mine in the morning. And now I can't remember what your question was. How often would you test the blood ketones? I think it depends. Um, I don't test that often. I have gone through phases where I'll test every day. And then I've gone through phases where I'll test a couple of times a week. And at the moment, I will test every couple of weeks because I know that what I eat is very low carb. So I'm assuming I'm in ketosis. Um, Louise, you test more than me, I think. Yeah, I do. Um, I get my strips from Australia, which are relatively cheap. So, and we, you know, we are able to to get access to that. So, and like Jackie, uh, I've gone through periods where I'll test every day. And that for me is an accountability measure. So it keeps me, as you know, by now I'm an abstainer and I need to have that sort of regular, uh, you know, abstinence, so the therapeutic abstinence. So I need to have that accountability that by the next morning, I know that I'm still within a threshold. And that has been um, certainly because we were doing the 100-day challenge as well. So for the alternate day fasting, I was sort of obviously getting some really interesting data and that's been, you know, really quite informative. So, but then when I was living living and working in the UK, I didn't obviously have the access to the strips. So I was doing every maybe two, three times a week. And that was, again, about accountability. So, and I could report to my partner, you know, my these were the things, these were my measures. And again, it was a different food that I was having access to. So I was looking to have that feedback loop of, well, that was really interesting. So that was how it was affecting me. And generally, um, because Andrew is a bit of a data nerd, he loves numbers, not that it's a competition, you know. So, again, it's part of us keeping each other accountable. So, um, yeah, so he normally does his um, blood glucose, blood ketones, uh, blood pressure and um, and his weight. So all data, data streamed. Oh, plus the ring, the one ring that rules it all, like Jackie, Um Jackie's got the aura ring as well. So the data, you know, gets all reported in the morning. So um, yeah. And that sort of sets the sets the tone for the day. So yeah, it's been it's been interesting. So for us, for well, certainly for me, it's about accountability to to do that. So but again, I'm insulin sensitive, so my numbers are generally quite quite good 
you know, by biometric standards. So, yeah. Who wants to go next? Alison, unmute yourself. Just a question on, for somebody that, like myself, who's relatively new to like the keto, I've been low carb for over five years, but the keto thing is quite relatively new in the past few months. How important is it to do all these measurements and, you know, bloods and, because I, I can imagine if I hadn't came from the hardcore way of eating, I would have probably found it quite off-putting if it was part of the diet. So would, would you advise people, you know, just to concentrate on the, the food thing first, the health thing? Absolutely. Focus on the food. Just focus on the food. And um, so I'm quite interested in the data, mm-hmm. uh, not as probably as um, intense as Andrew, but I am quite in, um, interested in the data. And for me, I just wanted to know, am I in ketosis? Mm-hmm. Now I just sort of take it for granted that I am because I don't eat. Um, I don't eat all, all through the day and I don't eat a lot of carbs. So my carbs will come in the form of a salad at lunchtime and a couple of green vegetables in the evening. And it might be a square of chocolate or it might be something that I might have, um, maybe some strawberries after my dinner, some, a bit of homemade ice cream. It might be something like that. But I know whatever I'm doing, I'm probably still in ketosis. My ketones tend to run low, probably because I do eat slightly more carbs now, now than I used to. Um, but no, you don't have to test. And I think the answer comes in, how do you feel? Mm-hmm. Do you feel good? Um is the weight moving the way you want it to move and not, and you know, keto isn't just about the weight. So you could (laughs) not move, but what are the other health benefits that you're getting? So for example, um, one of my ladies who, who couldn't be here today, she was going to be here, but couldn't. um, She has been fairly, we don't know because she does, she doesn't measure. So she hasn't measured. She has, um, been doing this now for coming up for a year she hasn't measured her ketones she does measure her blood sugar because she's type 2 diabetic and she's had her weight has hardly moved in the whole year um it's in the year she probably in about 10 months she probably lost three or four pounds Mm -hmm. but all her health markers have been massively changing and she just emailed me the other day to say um tell me her weight so from last september till now she's lost 10 pound but she's had such massive health benefits i think that's the thing that, that people i mean i'm sure we also get it you'll get people look at you and go hmm, still in your diet and you think i don't know how to take that does that mean that you know i still look well i know that I still, personally i still have to lose weight but i know that i'm really as healthy as i think i can be you know, regardless of being, you know, on the old scale of overweight. Yeah. You know, I think Um, definitely it outweighs, you know, whatever it says in the scale, for me, definitely outweighs any health benefits. So on our scales, on on the digital scales, it actually has, you know, the 
the sliding sort of, you know, healthy, overweight, underweight and all that sort of thing. So when you actually have a look at those, and this is really interesting, so they always will put the lower limit. So your target weight will always be at, um, you know, that, that lower limit. They will never give you the upper limit. And it was really interesting when I started getting, as my mum would say, I started to get a bee in my bonnet because on the on the app for the scales, it actually Bluetooths so I can see the, you know, the interface and the data. And it was saying that my ideal weight is 64 kilos. I think the last time I was 64 kilos was when I was in high school. It ain't going to happen. And the interesting thing is I was starting to get obviously quite agitated about sort of how am I ever going to be this this particular number but when you actually sort of do a bit of digging around then obviously there's different algorithms for different um, weight ranges you know for what is ideal so I'm 174 foot like you know five foot nine and a half foot Hundred and seventy-four <laughs> centimeters. Anyway, hundred. Like I'm very tall. Obviously, I'm a giant. Tall. So one hundred and seventy seventy-four centimeters and five foot nine feet in the old metric. And then um, at the moment, I'm around about seventy-two kilos, give or take. And then to sort of say to myself, I'm going to have to lose from seventy-two down to sixty-four. I'm going to just be skin and bone. Like, that's just terrible. But what that is, is to that particular algorithm, there is this definitive point and it's always the lower end. They never tell you that your weight range is this. And they won't give you that. The the, the upper end, they give you the lower end. But there's different algorithms and none of them were consistent, but there was a real sort of around the 70-ish kilos. And so that was actually really good for me to know that I'm still, you know, very, like me, I'm very average. I'm just your average Louise. So I don't need to be at the lower end. I don't need to be at the upper end and, and that's the sort of thing. And we all know that BMI is very arbitrary. It should be your your waist, your waist, your hip to waist ratio or your your waist to height. So your waist should be half your your height. Your height should be double Double your waist. So, I wish. Um, these, no, also, nobody's, ever, nobody's ever said to me that I should be six foot four. I mean, come on, <laughs> you know. Right. <laughs> so that's not going to change. But this is the thing about when we get these arbitrary measures. So, do you need to measure your blood ketones? No, it's expensive. So, you know, it's an investment. You can if you want, but there are other measures, as Jackie said. So there's some other metrics. You know, by all means, you can take your tape measure. But I'm more your your qualitative. So how do you feel, like Jackie says? How do you feel? What are those things that bother you? Um, you know, if you have any chronic conditions, well, you know, of course, diabetes. But for me, it was about chronic pain. You know, we've had other people on the podcast with fibromyalgia you know, that there are these other things that they know have affected them, whether they're in that sort of therapeutic range. So what are those other measures? How's your sleep? You know, how's your mood, you know, particularly? You know, that's that's a huge one. Mood is a huge indicator 
of how you're hunger. tracking. Absolutely. Satiety. Yeah, hunger. You can, if you can go several hours without eating, then you know that you're burning fat, especially if you can go 16 hours without yeah. eating. Yeah, or longer. So, um, yeah. So these are the other things. So, no, you don't have to measure. Any other questions or comments or something that you want to share, maybe something about your journey that you'd like to share with the listeners? Uh, I'd just like to ask something. It's um, following on from a comment in the Facebook group from Jackie that you'd put a picture of you you were eating salmon the day before you were having bloods to avoid overdoing the protein. Uh-huh. I didn't quite understand that because I thought that salmon was high in protein. So yeah. No, um, I just – so I have a functional medicine doctor, um, also one of our previous guests, Dr. Baslington, um and he just said to me don't don't overdo the protein so I said well how do I know if I'm going to overdo the protein and he said if you have a load of meat and lots of eggs for example so I think I tend to have meat for my supper uh, as in beef pork occasionally chicken uh, lamb and so he came back with a piece of salmon for example um, and if you probably noticed in the picture, I didn't have one piece of salmon. I had two pieces of salmon, but um, or nearly two because I couldn't eat it all. But I just thought, well, do you know what? I'll I'll have salmon for a change. I know it's good for you. Lots of healthy oils. But he had said, you know, salmon specifically or fish rather than the meat. So actually, I don't know the protein Content. Yeah, I, I just assumed that salmon was quite high protein, but maybe it's it's the fish is maybe lower protein than meat. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't look at it. I just <laughs> decided to have salmon. And um, as our listeners know, probably I don't really like salmon, but actually it was a wild caught salmon and it was probably better than I, I probably enjoyed it more than yes. than the normal salmon that you get. Maybe you you know how in recommending recommending the salmon it was obviously the omega threes you know it had a better omega three to omega six ratio maybe that could be part of it as well but he specifically said about don't overdo the protein yeah. so there was obviously a thing but typically I thought that meats in the twenty five ish to twenty nine ish most of them are like you know nearly not quite one third protein. Or, you know, that's that's really, you know, for the weight. So if you have 100 grams of meat, then it's 30 grams of protein. So obviously he didn't want you to have the protein plus the eggs plus plus everything else. So, yeah. So just having a piece of meat would be roughly 25-ish to 27% protein of your meat. Yeah. Meal. So I probably didn't make that clear that I just, he said have salmon and I just decided to have salmon because I don't normally um rather than the actual amount of protein because i i don't know i eat quite a lot of protein in a day um so sometimes i think and i probably need to measure again but i think i eat quite a lot of protein so i just thought well i'll i'll just have the salmon but level wise don't they say that when there's so much conflicting stuff out there sometimes it's just like wow um but they say as long as you don't go too high in fat, going over your proteins, okay. I suppose that's more yeah. if you're tracking. But yeah, yeah. I do both. <laughs> it, 
Depends. Let me just say, let me just address that. So really the only limit should be if you're in keto, right? So or low carb keto is that sort of keeping your carbohydrates to that level. So whether it's 20 grams for keto or you know 50, 75, up to 100 grams for um, you know, for low carb. So really your its protein is a minimum and particularly for obviously um the the listeners won't be able to see that there's you know with there's six women here particularly for women you know we need to maintain our lean you know our lean muscle mass right so protein is not an upper limit or a maximum it's actually a minimum so we need that minimum then fat becomes as they say a lever so you know whether you sort of keep it low you want to sort of you know you can sort of there's no real sort of upper hard fast limit but you know it really is because it's naturally to satiety so really your fat is your lever so you can go to as much as you can obviously you know tolerate but we're not obviously advocating you know butter chugging as they say so fat is your lever so carb is that hard limit your protein is a minimum and then it's it's obviously you know fat to satiety yeah and i think we have to be careful particularly as women who have dieted a lot through our lives is that we don't under eat just generally we don't under eat uh, i can think, I think that could be a very easy temptation to fall back into of eat less move more and if i don't eat that and maybe if i skip this meal and and it can be it can very quickly add up that you're skimping on calories overall through the week absolutely yeah. i i came out for the i mean years before you know six years ago or whatever i was i had much more weight on me and i used to do so much exercise and i truly believe that you cannot outrun a bad diet people <laughs> you know i mean i literally worked my butt off I don't know how I used to do gym classes, you know, the old Blaze Mill classes. And nah, the minute I changed what I ate, that's when the weight came off. Absolutely. And you hear it all the time at at gyms. And it's mainly ladies, you know, oh, I'll do this and I'll do that. And I've done this this week. And you just. Yeah. I know. And I mean, I know a girl that, that was in a wheelchair. And she lost four stone. So, you know, just because of what she didn't put in her mouth, I suppose, you know. Or did and did put in her mouth. And did, yeah. Did, did and didn't, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So. And Sheila, question. Yeah, I'm going to throw the cat amongst the pigeons here, actually, because my question is about, um, so what if somebody has lost weight on this way of eating, they, they stay, they're, they're, and they're continuing to lose weight, but they don't want to, but they're on this way of eating because it helps them with their other health situations and their appetite has gone. They're not eating, they, you just said about not eating enough, but actually once you start fasting and your stomach shrinks and you get used to having those windows where you're not eating, how do you make sure that you're getting enough of the right nutrients through the day? I would in that situation, I would track for a few days and I like the app chronometer because it and maybe others do this as well. So I don't I'm not saying that it's the only one that does it, but it it does break down your protein profile into the essential amino acids and 
um, a lot of the minerals so you can see if you're getting enough. Um, so you can, and there are online where you can calculate your BMR. So what is your basal metabolic rate, which is what is the minimum number of calories you need to do for your height, weight um, and exercise levels. And, and then you have to make sure you get them. And that is the problem with keto is that you don't get hungry. And so it becomes very easy to skimp on those calories. And what you have to actually make sure is that you, you do eat enough. You, you need to eat enough to cover that um, basic need that you have. So the basal metabolic rate is the rate that, of calories, the number of calories that you will burn laying in bed for 24 hours doing nothing and then you add on your exercise so do you move a lot are you quite sedentary do you, are you very active with your workouts and things like that and then there's a multiplier that goes with it depending on how how much you exercise and you just you have to make sure that you you get that minimum number of calories in so whilst we say calories don't matter um they do in a way because you can overeat on calories, as we know, if you don't if you don't do enough, but you can also undereat. And I think we tend to undereat and not realize how many calories we actually need. So I put the um, I can put that link. It's quite complicated. I have it in my notes because I do work it out for my clients. So I have it's quite a complicated calculation and it's different for men to women to work out what you're basal metabolic rate is yeah I, I just yeah I'd just like to ask a question really about uh, seed oils because I think when people come to low carbon keto they concentrate on looking at the backs of packets and counting the carbohydrates and the sugars um, but I think the seed oils are a massive problem when I, mean, I went out for a meal the other night and I could quite easily order off the menu low carb and sugar free but what is my steak cooked in and what are they putting on the salad? Um, I don't know if anyone else has a problem with this. I don't eat that out that much. So I will quite often not worry about it um, because I know we know that everywhere is told you need to use vegetable oils. You need to use um, un these polyunsaturated fats in cooking the restaurants um, will definitely use them because then they recycle them and they and they get paid to to sell their oil back to these um, biofuel manufacturers. Um, so we know that they're going to be in there. And I think when you buy something out of a packet or you go somewhere, as um, I went to a barbecue the other day, you just have to assume that it's going to be seed oils and if you're going to just have a plain steak, you could ask for it to be cooked in butter. But do you really know if that is really butter or is it some sort of low fat spread type thing? You never know. So if I'm going out, I will tend to just say, well, so be it. I can't avoid that. But everywhere else where I can avoid it, I do. And so I will always take with me things that I take with me in my handbag when I go out for dinner is 
I might take some seed crackers if I've got any cooked because I quite often will choose uh, liver pate. So I'll put it on my own seed crackers. I'll, I have a little Tupperware thing with my butter in. If I'm going somewhere where I know there might be salad, I would take my salad dressing that I make myself. And I just carry these things around with me. I, I've nearly always got, if I'm going out and I don't know what's going on, I've nearly always got hard-boiled eggs in my bag, nuts, chocolate. So I always have the option to not eat anything there if I choose to. And how does a restaurant react to you taking your own butter and crackers with you? I mean, are they okay with that? Never. never I never ask anything. I just get it out and use it. And no one's ever <laughs> said anything to me at all. Well, um, and sometimes I'll be really fussy. Um, I try now to be a bit less fussy because I think the people around you get a bit fed up and they start rolling their eyes. Well, this is it. When I went out for a meal, I ordered steak and I just said, can I swap the chips out for salad? And I, it was on the tip of my tongue to say to them, and what do you cook it in? But the people that I was out for a meal, I know they go, oh, no, here she goes again. So I just left it. I thought, well, it can't do me that much harm if I don't eat it the rest of the time. Exactly. You have to pick your back. You, you can't have control over everything, can you? No. If you want control over anything, you'll never go out. Yeah. And so you have to you have to balance that. So I will not go out. Well, we haven't been out for years now, have we? <laughs> no. no. I think I've been out for two meals in the last couple of years since the <laughs> lockdown. And I have to go online and look at the menu before I go to see what I can eat. Yeah. yeah. I'm seeing with you, Jackie. I agree. I, I think if if you're you either take things with you, which actually is ridiculous that we have to do that, or you know you swap something out. We were away last week up in Oban, and the only dish that I thought I quite liked the sound of was a lamb dish, but it came with potatoes. So I said, could I have that without potatoes, extra veg? And the girl's like, oh, do you want chips? I'm like, no, thanks. Do you want rice? No, thanks. And she went, mm, low carb. And what? Well, at least she's heard of it. At least she knows it. That's great. Well, I know, but, you know, she gave me extra veg. But I don't know. It's, it's ridiculous we have to, you know, because if we, if we had any other dietary requirements, which is basically what it is, I think, then they wouldn't, you know, you get your gluten-free menu, which is pretty useless. You'll get other types of menus, but, you know, the minute you say low-carb or keto or whatever, I usually say I can't have potatoes, they upset my stomach, <laughs> you know, which is ridiculous. Yeah. I, I just don't want to eat them. Well, I usually sort of, when the, when the server comes to take my order, I say, now, I'm special needs. <laughs> And it just basically starts the tone of the conversation. So, and it's just like, absolutely, I think, you know, I'm just going to make a couple of, you know, minor adjustments, you know, to can I have, can you hold the, hold the potato, hold the, hold the fries, that sort of stuff and have extra veg. And they're really generally amenable to, to doing those sorts of swaps. And if you just say, can I swap this, um, you know, and you just, it just naturally just rolls off the tongue. But it's really interesting, Nicola, that you just sort of were saying about that because it was really, um, as I'm here in Bangkok, you know, all the street food is deep fried, wok fried, comes with rice or noodles. And if you say to them, can you hold the rice or can I have double the serve? It's like, 
it's just this sort of thing. But anyway, it, it that just that's just you know by the by. But they'll still bring bring you rice, and it's just like okay, we'll just put that to the side. So, but it's it's really interesting because generally Thai food is you know great in the vegetables. It has great protein sources. You know, pork, chicken, duck, um, loads of fish. Um, but if I eat too much on the street, and why wouldn't you? It's super cheap and tasty. But because of the seed oils and like my chronic pain condition, I you can feel it like you know the next day. And Jackie will remember that um, Graham Phillips, you know, in one of um, his second his second interview, you know, walked us through that it stays in your system for so long. No wonder. And what it does at the cellular level, you want to be avoiding it at all costs. So um, you're absolutely right to be thinking, I'm going to try my best to avoid this. But again, we have to live our life. You know, we have friends and family and we don't want to annoy them, but we can annoy the server taking the order. That's okay. Any other questions? No. Well, how about we give questions to our guests, Jackie? So we just maybe turn the tables on them. Okay. <laughs> maybe we could I start with what we did at the beginning. I know. I know. <laughs> well, I'm just thinking they could sort of, we could go around and ask them who was their one, who got them started on low carb. Yeah, great. So you, who are you going to pick first, Louise? Well, at the, oh, it's a bit like Brady Bunch right now. So, um, well, let's go with, let's go with Alison first. So she's in the top of my screen. Um, it was actually a friend who I saw, so the January of, I think it was 2016. And, you know, like we've said it before, like most women, We've all tried different diets. We've been up and down in weight. And she was one of these people. I, I did, didn't really see her that often, but anytime I saw her, her weight completely fluctuated, like, a lot. And this particular time, she looked amazing. Like, you know, I was, like, gushing, going, oh, my God, what have you done? And she'd mentioned this name, Harcombe, and I was like, what? Who? What? Never heard of her. Dr Zoe Harcombe, who I'm sure many people now do know who she is and I had to end up so she briefly filmed me in and I thought well, that sounds quite interesting I'll get the book and of course being a Scots person I got it from the library I didn't buy it <laughs> <laughs> um, but I had to get her to text me the name because it just you know it's not your everyday name never heard of it before so got the book read it and it was like the biggest light bulb and ever in my life you know, I, I had been working in an office with women. We used to go at lunchtime once a week to certain diet clubs and the weight would fluctuate. And actually, I found an old diet card, shall we say, like a few years ago. And actually, I really wasn't as heavy as in my head I thought I was. I think maybe a different type of weight, you know, the way you look and all that kind of thing. Mm. Um, but so... Within six months, I had lost three stone just from basically, you know, reading the book. And it it was like, yeah, don't eat those potatoes. Don't, you know, it, it, it just, and then I think the whole thing that 
we were talking about earlier, it's the way you feel. I generally, sadly at the moment, I'm going through a certain time in my life called menopause. So that's not really very fun. Um, you know, but generally I feel great. And yes, I still could do with losing maybe two stone. I'm, you know, I'm like whatever about that. Because at my heaviest, I was 17 stone eight at my very heaviest. And I'm not, in, I don't even know what I weigh now because I don't weigh myself at my head doesn't deal with it very well. But I know that I eat 95% of the time, if not 100, really, really well. I mean, my dad actually said this morning, he thought he was being funny. Well, this man, of course, like, why don't you just try eating some sugar? <laughs> I know yeah. it, it went down like a ton of sugar, basically. <laughs> um, so um, yeah, that, that was, you know, so I followed Zoe Harcombe for maybe up to maybe six months ago, where I don't know if I felt I'd sort of hit a brick wall and then the keto thing sort of caught, you know, propped up and it, I think it gives me, a, my diet's a bit more varied than following Harcum. Just things like almond flour and coconut flour. You know, we were talking earlier about going out for something to eat. I now, if, if we go out for an Indian meal, I take my own split, uh, spice uh, flatbreads. My husband can he can happily eat the rice and the naan. He can do it he likes, and I'll I have I take my my coconut flatbread with me, and you know that's fine. So that that's I mean, it, part of me would like to lose that extra maybe two stone, but if it doesn't happen, whatever, because you know I feel really healthy and I don't. I don't know the last time I was at a doctor for anything other than being of a certain age. So Yeah, great. Yeah. That's really good. And three stone in six months, that's amazing. Yeah. It just shows you, you don't, at that time, I didn't particularly think my diet was that unhealthy. You know, I was always quite, she says, conscious of what I ate, but I just really struggled losing any weight. You know, like I said, used to go to the gym, like, you know, so frustrating. And then, you know, you just stop eating things that you shouldn't eat. And yeah, you lose it. Just goes away. Yeah. <laughs> Great. So Sheila, who is your one? So I know I know that my story has uh, came out on the podcast, but I had 30 years of inflammatory health issues. Um, and yeah, I had lots of medication. I'd been to see consultants. I'd had operations and I still had those, those health issues. So um, just under 10 years ago, I started Googling gluten-free, belly, uh, you know, uh, gut inflammation, et cetera, et cetera. And I came across um, Mark Sisson. Now I'm showing you a book, but this is the, the primal blueprint. And I started following his blog and, um, and his Facebook page and started following the principles, um, the primal principles. And literally within a couple of months, the inflammatory issues had subsided. Um, I wasn't doing it particularly for weight issues, but I did lose weight on that. But it was the inflammatory side, specifically my gut. But then with the gut inflammation, so many other parts of your body are also impacted. So I've been living like that now, which is high fat, low carb. Um, no grains, no sugar, no legumes. Um, and I've been living like that for the last eight years. 
Um, and I, I love it as you know, Alison was just saying, you just, it's more, more than weight. It's about how you feel um, on a daily basis and the energy it brings and the confidence. Um, you know, I feel better now in my late 50s than I did in my 30s and 40s. So, you know, it's um, had a huge impact on my life, um, so much so that I've, I'm now a primal health coach myself. But um, yeah, so Mark Sisson, I would say, is the person who, after doing a lot of research, is the one that um, had the biggest impact on my life, and my journey. Great. Nicola? Uh, yeah, so I would say my one was Dr. Michael Mosley, which I'm sure that people on this group will have heard of. And I saw him being interviewed on a TV programme about a book he'd brought out about five years ago. And he'd been diagnosed as pre-diabetic. And he decided that rather than just go on medication, that he would try and sort this out himself. And he found this low-carb way of eating and ended up putting his diabetes into remission. Um, So I, I found it fascinating. But really, I didn't do anything with it until a few years later. And then decided one new year after Christmas that I'd put the weight on over Christmas, as we all do, and thought, well, I'm going to go for this now. I know what I need to do. And probably within about seven months, I'd lost almost two stone and sort of got down to pretty much what I am now and just find it effortless. And I realised it's not just about what you're eating now. It's about I think they call it the four pillars, don't they? So it's about your sleep and your exercise um, you know, the way you feel. I mean, now I've actually just started about five weeks ago going to a meditation class at a local gym and I absolutely love it. But if someone had said to me two years ago, going to meditation, I would have just laughed in the face. So, yeah, it's, it's I just think it's absolutely fabulous. It just makes you feel so good. Yeah. And, you know, off the back of this now that I'm, I'm now a PHC ambassador and I train with the Nutrition Network. Brilliant. Yeah. So done my nutrition network advisor program and currently doing the primal as well so thanks to sheila (laughs) (laughs) louise you were going to say something yeah because i was going to wrap it up with getting everybody's three top tips jackie oh wow i thought that'd be i thought that'd be a nice (laughs) way to end it because you know the thing is that we've just got you've been able to share a bit of your journey but i think it's like well what can you give from your your journey? It doesn't matter that you're like Sheila and it's been eight years or whether it's just obviously more recent times for yourself and, and Alison. But what three things have you learned that you can use now to pay it forward for everybody? Alison. I think I'll let somebody else go first while I have a think. I should have known, <laughs> I should have known you were going to ask this. Well, it was meant to be you ask us, but you know. Well, I, I'm, a, I'm a bit of a shit stirrer, as I like to flip the tables. But Sheila, have you changed your three top tips? So, you know, we've we had your three top tips from your interview, but, you know, is there anything perhaps new or different? Or Because yeah, I can't remember what they were. <laughs> <laughs> so I would say, um, gosh, yeah, you have put us all on the spot here. So I would say... Um, so many that so much of the time we're, we're looking out for other people, uh, whether whether it's through our work or our families or whatever. Um, but you have to recognize that in order to be your best self for other people, you need to be in the best best place yourself. So you have to take make yourself your priority. Um, making the so that's one. Um, two, I would say 
when you're talking about this to other people and trying to convince them that this works and they go, oh, here goes another diet and it's boring and the rest of it, you can eat the most nutritious, colourful, satiating foods and nutritious foods on the planet. I mean, it's not boring at all. You really can make very good choices um, with the foods that you eat. And my third one is actually, I think Nicola mentioned this earlier about if you are going out to eat, yeah, most, most of the restaurants have their menus online so have, have a look in advance um, and you can you've got your choices ready then before before you turn up so it shouldn't be that difficult to um, choose something that you really fancy great thank you Nicola okay so the first thing I would say is learn to read packets because I do think that it, this is more sort of about a, a real food lifestyle but there are going to be situations where you're going to have to eat out of a packet or a can of something so just learn to read the packs and ignore this traffic light system on the front just turn it over and look at the carbohydrates not even the not even the sugar just just the carbohydrates um and another thing i would say is don't don't really care what other people think about it. it's your life it's it's your way of eating it's your health and you just have to learn not to be offended by other people who it's it's strange isn't it when you when you're eating um sweets and chocolate and burgers and chips and no one seems to really care about what you're doing and as soon as you go onto the real food and ditch all the junk food they're all like oh my god what you're doing it's dangerous and everybody's got an opinion on what you should be doing all of a sudden they become an expert on your health um and the final thing i would say is just just keep learning because things changed i mean when i first started it was low carb high fat or healthy fat and just recently, we've now come across to maybe adding in a little bit more protein and lower the fat a bit. So you've just got to keep learning, adapting and do what's best for you. Mm-hmm. Great. Alison? It's probably just echoing what the girls have said, but one of mine is definitely look at the, the ingredients list. You know, forget, as you said, Nicola, the traffic light and stuff. An example, I mean, I've sort of eaten healthily for nearly six years. And only last week did I discover that if you buy grated mozzarella, there's potato starch in it. I think I was more annoyed at myself that I didn't know that. And I just picked up a bag and I'm always the one that says, look at the ingredients. (laughs) And I never. So definitely look at the ingredients. The other one is don't be embarrassed about being healthy. You know, if somebody else wants to eat burger and chips, let them do it. You're the one that's healthy. And it's just probably the same bracket. Don't stress about what others think. Yeah, great tips. Absolutely, yeah. That that's really good. I, I do I do like the the label. I call it a being a label detective. You have to be a, you know, you have to read the fifty something you know names for sugar. You know how how that's disguised. But as you said, just looking at the carbohydrates um, on on the label. But being a label detective is absolutely key to doing that. And you're absolutely right. This is your journey. This is your journey. We don't need to, to know or care. I mean, we do care for, for people that we love in our family and friends, but you've got to keep on doing it for you. You're in it for you and this is your journey. So you're taking ownership of that and that's absolutely don't be embarrassed, don't stress, and certainly, um, you know, prioritising yourself over, over what others think. 
but it is hard sometimes. It is hard, particularly when we do see and care for other people that we know, as you mentioned, about having blood pressure problems or having, you know, sorts of issues or, you know, um, Jackie's husband is diabetic and it's just like we know the answer. We want everyone to enjoy what we're enjoying, but it is obviously, yeah, it's all about us. So and we're fit and healthy and fabulous, Jackie. And I would, I'm going to add something in there and say that if you're looking at labels, you need to know all the different names for sugar. Um, there's over 50 different names for sugar because so I was doing a talk the other week and I was looking at um, sugar particularly. And, and I asked them, what did they have for breakfast and whether they thought it was healthy or not? And one of the things that came up was um, a few people had crunchy nut and what was interesting was some people thought that was healthy and some people thought that it wasn't but I looked into how much sugar are in crunchy nuts you mean you mean by crunch crunchy nuts just for the for the people that aren't in the UK crunchy nuts are like little cornflakes but they're sort of um sweetened with bits of nut through it yeah those ones precisely now what's really what's really yeah what's really interesting is they put the carb count on the back of the packet and this is the net carb count for crunchy nut and which is uh, 25 grams of carbs which is five teaspoons of sugar what's really interesting is that is only for 30 grams of crunchy nut and i reckon that most people will eat two to three times that amount there's probably very few people that will eat the guide guided amount but the ingredients on the back were maize we know maize is a corn and it breaks down into sugar the next ingredient is sugar which is sugar um then we have peanuts which are quite inflammatory and whilst they're not huge in carb count they they can be inflammatory then barley malt flavoring so barley malt is a sugar and then it comes uh, molasses sugar then it's honey sugar and then it has salt and vitamins and minerals now they have to add in those minerals because it's so deficient of any nutrients that they have to add them in so i just thought that was quite interesting that when you look on the back you need to know all the different names of sugar to work out how much sugar so if we look at it um uh, just counting the sugar we've got sugar barley malt flavoring molasses and honey four things that are just sugar so that I thought that was quite interesting. So that was 25 grams of the 30 gram serve was really just sugar. Yep. And I didn't look up the fiber. So if you're, if you count, if you're like me and count total carbs, it's probably even more. One one of the medications that I'm on for HRT is, um, I've got it here because I was on the dock this morning, also contains lactose, monohydrate, and sucrose. Honest, and I said to her, "Can you give me anything that isn't covered in sugar?" And she said, "Oh, you, we can't give you this other thing because you've got a peanut allergy." And I was like, "I don't have a peanut allergy." Yeah, yeah. Even medication is uh, everything everywhere covered in sugar. Yeah, great. So I think we've come to the end now. I think that's a good episode. That's um, a wrap. It's a wrap. Anyone? Well, say goodbye, everyone. Bye.
that, that, that might be one that I won't listen to. <laughs> good to see you. Good to meet you, ladies. Thank you, Sheila. Yeah, you too. You too. Thank you. Bye, everyone. Bye. 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 That was a really fun episode, having some of our members from the Fabulously Keto Facebook group and, you know, really asking them questions um, as much as they were able to sort of ask us questions. So that was a, another AMA episode wrap for, for this particular series. And it was lovely just to sort of be able to see the faces, Jackie. Uh, so we have actually haven't been able to, you know, engage, I suppose, you know, we, we hear, well, not hear the names, we read the names often in the groups but to be able to see them as we did when we recorded this episode on Zoom. Yeah. So I've actually, um, so we've, we've interviewed Sheila and I've actually heard Nicola on another podcast. But, yeah, I had not met Alison before or heard her. So that was great fun. Yeah, and it's really great to be able to get the engagement from the group and really just, you know, to make these conversations as friendly, open and respectful and just to sort of share those particular sort of opinions and to know that there's no one right way to do keto or low carb, that we we don't have to measure, do we? We don't have to, you don't have to measure your ketones. We choose to because we like the data, but it's it's not about um, you have to have to do this this one particular way. So yeah. we keep on stressing there's no no one perfect way of doing keto. No, and and we and we hear that continually through all the interviews that we do. That and we know that you and I do it differently. The people we speak to do it differently. Everybody does it differently, and that's okay. If it works for you, then great. And if it's not working for you, then listen to some of the other things that other people do and and tweak and try and make some changes that, that suit your lifestyle and suit you and you're getting the benefits from. Mm. So I, and could, I think that was really, yeah, that's absolutely wrong. It was about that tracking thing. I could never track my food every single day. And I know people do. And for me, that is just a complete nightmare. I'd hate it. I, you did it through through that protein thing, and I don't think I could even do. If I managed to do a day, that's a, that's good. I've done a day. <laughs> yeah, it, it really gets to how you how how you do your keto and that sort of thing. And and, and I know that there are people that have done it very long term. They they do that. And as I said, for me, the blood testing is that accountability. And for people that track their food, that again is that sort of feedback loop, you know, their accountability to, to do that. Yeah. So, and some of that becomes a habit. You know, we, we habitualize the things that we do do many times in our life as second nature. And you can understand that people track as part of that, that particular habit. Yeah. So, I, know, I, I think do, I should, maybe if I tracked a bit more, I would be able to hone in a little bit more on on what I'm doing but I think there's so many foods that you eat that have a mixture of things in them and especially if you're not cooking it yourself which so I don't cook and and Julian does definitely doesn't measure anything he just throws it all in and out it comes the other end so if you're having a piece of meat and some vegetables you can weigh that piece of meat and you can weigh those vegetables you can even weigh the butter you put on it or the amount of mayonnaise but 
if you're starting to make a spaghetti and not even spaghetti because bolognese or a chili con carne or something like that where it's all mixed together or a stew how do you know what's gone into it and how do you know how much of that are you eating how much of the meat are you eating how much of the vegetables you're eating so I find that very challenging Mm. and then it becomes the best guess so there's a lack of precision in that sort of best guess that you're actually doing so that sort of makes the whole purpose a little bit redundant you know it's a best guess sort of tracking as opposed to precision tracking yeah yeah but there's some really good tips I think the Alison, Sheila and um, and Nicola certainly have in their their respective journey it's really you know insightful insightful sort of top tips which we'll put on the show notes for the listeners so Jackie just remind us where those show notes will be for this episode the show notes will be at fabulouslyketo.com forward slash podcast forward slash zero five two. Thanks, Jackie. It would be great if you could support us through Patreon. Go to patreon.com forward slash fabulouslyketo and you can choose the monthly amount you wish. Can you recommend a guest we can interview? If you can, click on the link in the show notes to send us your recommendation. Would you like to join our Facebook group? Search for Fabulously Keto on Facebook. Our Facebook page is called Fabulously Keto and you can follow us there. Or you can follow us on Twitter. Our handle is Fabulously Keto. Or follow us on Instagram, Fabulously Keto 1. Did you enjoy the show? Let us know you listened by tagging us in your Insta story or Instagram post using the handle fabulouslyketo1 and the hashtag TFKP. All the links are on the website and in the show notes. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast, click the subscribe button. Reviews help us to be found and reach new listeners. Please leave a review of our show on your preferred podcast listening platform. We appreciate you taking the time and read them all. Disclaimer. The information in this podcast is for informational and educational purposes only. Nothing in this podcast can be taken as advice. Whether our guests are doctors, healthcare professionals or not, they're only sharing their own opinions and stories and this does not constitute a doctor-patient relationship. It's always best to seek professional medical advice should you wish to make any changes to your current medication or treatments. Also speak to your own doctor if you have any concerns about your health or you wish to make lifestyle changes, especially if you're taking medication. <laughs>